Well, good morning. <laughs> what a powerful voice. You know, that's the second time I've heard that song. The first time was Wednesday night. And I've never heard a song about Babylon, but falling. And God's glorious church seems like it ought to be a hymn in the hymnal, right? And, uh, but God has blessed him with a voice. And that control of his voice. But you know, as you listen to that song, is as powerful as it, it, there's a part that's, it's, it's glorious and it gives you that, that zeal to get out the message. But you, you kind of weep thinking about how many people are in Babylon. And this is real. People are in Babylon, if they don't come out, they're going to be lost. And, uh, you know, God put us on this planet for a purpose. To call people out of Babylon into his glorious church. What a, what a mission. What a mission. And every one of those people in Babylon are individuals. It's not just some big group of people. Individually. And they all are precious equally in God's sight. Let us pray. We thank you, Father, for the, the power of the music, the, the reading of our word, the prayers, the giving. And now, Father, we would ask that the Holy Spirit would guide us in our, our message um, as we open up your word to better understand the relationship between creation and redemption. And this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I think it's easy for us to, to say that God spoke and there was, you know, God said, let there be light, and there was. And so we can say, creation is by the what? By the word of the Lord, right? But did you know the redemption's the same way? Redemption's still by the power of God's word. It's not something we do or work out or earn. It's the same power. It's the very same power, and that's what we're going to be focusing on. Notice in these scriptures, creation, in the beginning, God what? Created the heavens and the earth. He created out of what? Absolutely out of nothing. And redemption, though, uses the same familiar words when it talks about redemption. Create in me what? A clean heart. It's the same power of creation. And renew a right spirit within me. So therefore, redemption is not a creed. But this is where a lot of churches get messed up. They differentiate themselves with their creeds. The redemption is God. Creeds, understanding doctrine is important to protect you from error. But that's different than the power that you live by. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made. Just he spoke. And all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. For he spake and it was done. He commanded and it it stood fast. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed. He means the Greek means that everything's put in perfect order. And we see that. All... Do you see perfect order? Absolutely. My nose is probably in the right place, right? God framed for this body. This wasn't coincidental that my nose is here. Because if this is all by chance, we'd look quite different. We are here because God framed everything perfectly. And 
We believe that by faith that God framed it by the word of the Lord so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. That I realize that things that exist out here don't exist because other things existed before. Right? Things exist simply because God spoke them into existence. Right? It's the only way they exist. Rocks cannot create rocks. How many believe that? Good, good on you, okay? I cannot be my own father. I can be a son, but I can't be my own father. For me to exist, I had to have a father and a mother. Before Adam could exist, he had to have a a father which was God, right? His heavenly father. In fact, everything in our world has what? A father has a parent or parents, right? There's order. Okay? If nothing could create everything, and this is what evolutionists are saying, at one point there was what? But out of nothing came... <laughs> but rocks can't create rocks. They never will. Then everything actually has no what? Wouldn't have a purpose because it would all be coincidental. It would have spontaneous... Uh, it would have spontaneously happened for, for no reason, right? If everything came from nothing, there's no reason that anything exists, ultimately. However, if God creates everything, then everything has, everything would have a purpose because everything's framed as if it has a purpose, right? Right? And this is why the Bible says in the beginning was not matter and energy, in the beginning was the Word. Everything began with God and God's thoughts, right? And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things, that's energy, matter, everything, even physical laws, were made by Him. Without Him, not anything was made that was made. Nothing can make itself. God has to bring it into existence by the Word of His mouth. That's how things change. That's how things come into being. Now notice this, thine eyes did see my substance when as yet there was what? Did you, do you believe that God saw you before you were created? How about before Adam and Eve were created? Absolutely, he saw you, but you weren't here. Our planet wasn't even here, but God saw you. Is that possible? You know, everything really has to begin with information. Matter can't create matter, okay? Now, one way we know God could see us before we existed is simply Bible prophecy, right? I don't have Daniel up here, but think of Daniel. He lived, uh, he was captured at age 18 at 603 B.C., which means he was born in 621 B.C. And about 100 years before Daniel was born, Rome and Greece were just being founded. Nobody would be talking about him. They're just, it'd be like someone just started a little country today, right? But Daniel winds up getting a vision, and he sees Babylon, which we say, well, we lived in the time of Babylon. And then he says, the next world empire is Medo-Persia. Well, that's kind of realistic. Medo-Persia was a pretty big power back then. But then it was Greece, which in Daniel's day was just a little country. And then after Greece would be Rome, which was just a little country. And then Daniel saw that this Rome would be divided up into how many? Ten nations. Now, if I said, I was a prophet, 
And you know before the Lord comes, there's going to be a superpower in the world. Well, of course there's going to be a superpower. That's not being prophetic, is it? But when you can say there's Medo-Persia and Greece and Rome and it'll be divided up into ten parts, you see what I'm saying? Let's get a little bit specific. A thousand years down the road. Now nobody, no human does that. So God actually saw this before it happened. And actually Daniel could see it in his mind. Daniel was seeing things happening before they happened, which means that God could see you before you were made or our earth was made, right? That's, that's nothing big for God. Now that doesn't prove he created things out of nothing, but it does prove that God sees the end from... Now I want us to look at this verse, Revelation 13, 11, because John, who's receiving this in Isle of Patmos in 96 AD, he sees things like Daniel did. And I beheld another beast, which was the United States, which we could put around what year? A revolution, 1776, right? Okay. Coming up out of the earth in the new world. And he had two horns like a lamb and he spake as a dragon. The two horns represented what? Protestantism and republicanism. Okay. Now I want you to think about that. This is 2,000 years in the future, or nearly 2,000 years, 1,800 years in the future. And Daniel sees something that nobody knew about. You see, at least Daniel saw Babylon, Medo-Persia. I mean, these things actually did exist. But you know, in Daniel's day, nobody knew there was a North America. Not in the Middle East, right? And they'd never heard of a nation that was by the people and for the people. You see, there'd never been a nation that existed like that. But Daniel saw something that had never existed, didn't know it was around. Now, there was a North America, but I want you to consider this next one, Revelation 21.1. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. When does this happen? Well, a thousand years from now, right? A new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth would pass away and there was no more sea. And then he sees the new Jerusalem what? Now, that's different. Let's take the New Jerusalem. John sees 3,000 years in the future a city that's real coming down out of heaven. He's seen something that exists somewhere else in the universe. And that's pretty remarkable. That's not like seeing Babylon, Medo, Persia, Greece, and Rome. You're looking at something that's in a whole other part of the universe. Does that prove God created something out of nothing? No, not yet. But that's pretty different, isn't it? But he sees something that doesn't exist. He sees what? A new heaven and a... Now, the only way to have a new earth is to what? To destroy the old and recreate a new. And John sees it as if it is. He's seen something that isn't made yet. You see my point? So how is God able to show someone something that doesn't yet exist... Well, it's because he can also what? He has to be able to create it. He has to be able to think about it. How could God possibly show John a world that doesn't yet exist? Does this make sense? Now, to us, that would prove that God could create things, right? But we believe it by faith. That's what it said in Hebrews. By faith, we believe this. Now, God saw all these birds before they were created. Is this true? And the Arctic tern migrates from pole to pole and returns to the same nesting spot every year. That's a long way to fly. 
Now, that's not by chance, is it? No, they all have a purpose. There's a perfect order to everything. And the thing is, is that things, if the if evolution is true and everything happened by chance, birds wouldn't look like that, right? There wouldn't even be birds, right? Okay. Now, I want us to think about something else that God speaks. He can speak our world into existence. But he says in Psalm 85, 8, I will speak what God... I will hear what the God, the Lord, will speak. For he will speak what? He speaks peace. And when God speaks it, it actually happens, doesn't it? Well, so think about that. God speaks peace unto his people and to his saints. What is peace? Great peace have they which... So how are you going to keep the law? By God speaking. By God's power. See, if you try to do it in your power, you're not going to be able to do it because you're not the creator. You can only love God's law if God speaks peace into you. But we have to be willing to listen and believe. A lot of people don't believe. A lot of people aren't even listening. But if you listen to God's word and you believe in God's word, it will happen in you. Okay? Oh, thou hast hearkened to my commandments. Then thy peace as, uh, thy peace then as a river, and thy righteousness as the waves of the sea. Peace is synonymous with righteousness. So when God speaks peace, he's actually speaking, right? He's speaking righteousness because we have peace with God and our, isn't that what the law is about? To love God with all your heart, love, mind, and soul, and your, Neighbors yourself. They're all synonymous terms, really. Heavenly peace, Christ's righteousness. They're the same. And it says in Ephesians, for he is our peace. And Christ is also our, our righteousness. It's the same. I want us to look at a statement here. It's a beautiful statement written in Review and Herald, October 15, 1908. Because the peace that he speaks to us is a peace that comes from where? From heaven itself. It's a different kind of peace. You see, we live in a fallen world. In a fallen world, peace would be different than peace that's in heaven. Whoever consents to renounce sin and open his heart to the love of Christ becomes a partaker of this what? I can partake of something up there. That's what it means to be born from above, right? He who is at peace with God and his fellow man cannot be made... Envy will not be in his heart. Evil surmises will find no room there. Hatred. Boy, that's cool. You want heavenly peace? Because when you have hatred, you don't have what? You don't have peace. And the only way to have peace where there's no hatred is to have the heavenly peace, but God has to, he has to speak it. And we have to be listening. And we're going to have to want this. Hatred cannot exist. The heart that is in harmony with God or at peace with, peace with, peace with God is a partaker of the peace of heaven and will diffuse its blessed influence on all around. The spirit of peace will rest like dew upon heavenly hearts, weary and troubled with worldly strife. Father, speak to me. Speak your peace to me. 
I want heavenly peace. Will you share that with me? Can I be a partaker of it? Is God willing to answer that prayer? If I ask him for a a red sports car, I'm probably not going to get that. And it would be better that I don't. But if I were to ask, Father, I don't want any more hatred in my heart. I really want to be able to love my enemies. I'm not, I'm not at peace. There's things stirring up in me. And it's not just affecting me emotionally, it's affecting me physically. And I know the only remedy is if, by your creative power, you speak peace to me. And Father, I haven't been listening, but I'm willing to listen now. Because time is short. I've been listening to too many other voices out there. But it doesn't really matter what they say. All that really matters is what you say. Help me to listen better. Help me to listen to you every day to find out what I haven't been asking you for. Is this right? And Father, I want to ask for more things from you because that's how I become like you. And I know you're more willing to give this to me than we're willing to give good gifts to our children. This is how it works. Heavenly peace and righteousness. God speaks His heavenly peace to us. He speaks righteousness to us. God speaks righteousness to the sinner because the sinner, what? He doesn't have any. He can't manufacture it. But if the sinner believes in what God has said, then the word of God is fulfilled in him and he becomes righteous in Christ. You see, this is different than a creed. I can believe in the words of a creed. I can believe in doctrine. But what I've got to believe in is in who God is and what he has said well beyond the doctrines about life, about how to see people and treat people. Father, teach me your ways, not just your doctrines. Teach me about life. What is life? Life is more than doctrines, isn't it? Life is about how you see people and treat people, isn't it? Life. Teach me about life. Righteousness is life. And ye would not come to me that ye might have what? What kind of life are we talking about? Eternal life. Well, I mean, if you're asking about life and you're already alive, well, you already have what? You already have this kind of life. So he must be talking about a different kind of life. You won't come to me that you might have life because the only way you can get that life is by coming to Christ. Because you won't find it anywhere else. Because he is the life. Eternal life only comes from Christ. And that's why he says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his because if you're seeking for your righteousness, you'll never, you're never going to find it, you know. And if you're looking for righteousness and everybody else to get it, you're never going to, because if they haven't, and they got it from, they got it from Christ. And this is why Paul says, you know, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God. It's not a doctrine. It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that what? Believes in what? Just believes that there's a God? No, believes in his power. He believes in creation. He really is a creationist. 
He doesn't just come to church on the seventh day. He He believes in God's power and that he's sustained by God's power every day. It's the only way to have life. It's the only way to have peace is if God speaks it, just like he spoke the universe into existence. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, he says. It's a salvation to everyone that believeth, for therein is the... See, that's what the gospel's about. The gospel's about God's power to reveal whose righteousness? His righteousness. You see, the reason for the gospel, the good news is, even though I have no righteousness of of my own, I can have righteousness if his righteousness is revealed through me. That's the only way it can happen. That's the reason it's good news. That we who are sinners can live a righteous life if God's righteousness is manifested through us. Notice what this means. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The light of life would be what? It would be Christ's life. And he is like the, he is the light of the world. So I'm looking outside, it's a cloudy day, it's probably not the best time to make this point. But if I look out there, how much light is there? Oh, it's everywhere. It's equally on this side of the church as it's on that side of church. In fact, half the world has light right now. That means that Christ's righteousness is available to all, all the time. When we see the light of day, it should remind us that Christ's life is the light of life. And that no matter where I walk in this daylight, I can have Christ's righteousness. I can have Christ's righteousness in this church. And if I drive home, I can have Christ's righteousness there. I can be stuck in traffic and have Christ's righteousness. It won't matter. His light is everywhere. And his righteousness is abundantly available to everybody. Is this true? So what does the world need? What's the world waiting for? What's God waiting for? Arise, shine, for thy light has come, and the glory, the character of God, the life of Jesus, of the Lord is risen upon thee. Right? For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. Is the world getting darker? Absolutely. And gross darkness shall cover the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee. Who's thee? God's people. Who believe in what? God's power. They don't just believe in God. They're creationists. They keep the Sabbath, which means they believe in God's power. They believe that the light of Christ, which is eternal life, can be upon them. They can live that life. And the Lord shall rise upon thee, and the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and the kings to the brightness of thy rising. This is all that God's been waiting for for 2,000 years since the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ. Is to have a people who believe in God's power. And this is one of the tragedies of what Rome did in changing the Sabbath to Sunday. 
Because Sunday doesn't represent God's creative power. And then people forgot God. Oh, they still believed in a God, but they didn't believe in his power more, which is why they got the state to do all their bidding. And all those dark ages where 50, 100 million people were murdered. Men still want power. But if you don't live by the power of God, you're living by some other kind of power. Is this true? Absolutely. So what God's looking for is a people who believe in his power. And his power is always to do, is to do good. It's righteousness. It's life. His power is for us to have that peace. Of which there's no more hatred. You see, in the end of time, when the world hates God's people, God's people need the creative power of God to love their enemies. That's all he's waiting for, is a demonstration. Not not just a declaration of his power, but a demonstration of his power. That's what we're waiting for, a demonstration of God's power. God, who at sundry times and in diver manners spake in times past unto the fathers, by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son whom he hath appointed heir of all things by whom also he made the worlds not just our world but all the worlds Amen. who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person that the father, son's just like the father and upholding all things by the same word the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So he who died for us is the one who, by the word of his power, upholds the entire universe. What does that mean? Let's look at the next slide. To whom then will you liken me? Or shall I be equal? Saith the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high, and behold who hath created these things. That bringeth out their host by number. He calleth them all by what? By names, he knows them all. By the greatness of his might, for he that is, for he, for that he is strong in power, and not one, not one star. Do you know there's more galaxies than there are people on this planet? Infinitely more. And with every one of those galaxies, there are billions of stars. And amongst those stars would be billions of other worlds. And not one faileth by his, just by his word. So if God speaks peace to you, and you listen, and you believe, you won't, you can't fail. This is why the devil didn't want Eve to believe in what God had said. If she continued to believe in what God had said, she would not have failed. And when we go through life, sometimes we have these doubts. Did God forgive me? Does God still love me? Is God going to help me with this or I got to do it myself? What did God say? And if I just listen to what God says and believe in He says, I'll have the power to live a life that no matter the situation or the circumstances, I will not 
fail. That's exactly the kind of people God's looking for. It won't matter how much money's in your bank account. It doesn't matter if you hold a position in church or anywhere else. He's only looking for a people who listen to Him, believe in Him, and He'll uphold them. Now, I'm telling you, friends, we're going to lose everything we have. And the only thing you're going to have is how much you believe in what He says. Because if you don't believe in what He says, you're going to fail. That's the simple truth. And the way to believe more in what He says is to keep reading what He says. Taste the Lord. Know that He's good. Is this true? Absolutely. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the what? Oh, the creator of the ends of the earth. Fainteth not, neither is, neither is weary. He giveth what? Yeah, he doesn't just give us doctrines. He gives us power. He gives power to the faint, to them that have no might. He increases strength. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They have that spiritual eyesight. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk. But sometimes we sit around waiting to be persecuted. Like we have nowhere to run. This is not a time to hide. This is a time to run. Because God... And He's just looking for people who will rise and shine. because Not because they believe in themselves or the, the, the system. They believe in Him who created the system. The one who gave us the message. Amen. I mean, if he gives us a message to preach to the world, will he not empower us to do it? Yes. But these are things we need to remember about creation. Let us make man in our image. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. So you think about all these parts. We are what? We're dust. And I should never forget that. That without God, I am I'm nothing. But you know, Laodicea thinks <laughs> they're pretty, pretty something. Far more spiritual than they are. But you know, if you wake up every morning and you say, Father, I'm but dust. You have that humility of Christ. And Father, without you, I can do nothing. But you're the one who breathed into us and gave us life to form us in your image that all life comes from you. And you formed us in your image so that we who are dust can, through your power, do the greatest amount of good. Because God is, He's good, and God is love, and God is, well, I can go all day with this, right? <laughs> and you can give me an answer. And He's good. 
You see, because you're created in his image, even though you're dust, you can have all this by his power. But because you're dust, you're powerless. But he's all-powerful. And he's holy, and he's love, and he's good, and he's kind, and he's forgiving. And you can have all this. But only because God has spoken. And you've got to be willing to hear and believe. See, doubt kills everything. It kills everything. No more. Only believe in who He is and what He has said and what He's promised. And our lives change. You'll never be the same. Now, here we come to the last conflict. Notice who the dragon hates. The dragon is who? Ah, it's Satan himself. The dragon was wroth with the woman. A woman represents a church, right? And he went to make war with the remnant of her seed, the remnant of those who live in the end of time, which do what? Keep the commandments of God and have the... Now, why is he so threatened by this? Why, why didn't he just make war with somebody else? Because he doesn't have to. Because nobody else on the planet threatens him. As long as people are trying to keep the commandments on their own, they're no threat to Satan. If people have no interest, they want to change the commandments and live that way and have have their own religion. They're not a threat to Satan. They're on his side. There's only one group of people he's actually at war with. Now, if you're keeping the commandments of God, that means that you are... Living by, by faith in what? In God's power. Because the only way you can keep them. You see, what he's afraid of and what he's threatened by is there's a group of people on the planet who have discovered God's power. They have that living connection. See, he's not concerned about people who aren't, aren't living by the power of God. He's only concerned at war with people who understand and are experiencing how to receive the power of Christ. You know what he's also worried? He's worried that they have the testimony of Jesus. And what's the testimony of Jesus? The spirit of prophecy, Revelation 19.10. You know what he's really worried about? (laughs) There's a group of people who are living by the power of God, they really are creationists. They don't just come to church on the seventh day. They actually are creationists. They actually do believe in God's power. They know they're dust, but they know they're in God's image. And they're capable of the greatest good. But there's something else he really bothers them. They have the spirit of prophecy, which means they have all those books, including the great controversy. You imagine that? A group of people who are, who wake up and they arise and they shine and say, you know, friends, we need to go out and tell people about God's power. Don't just tell them about the Sabbath. Tell them about what the Sabbath represents. The Sabbath is a memorial of God's creative power. That's what it is. 
And when people believe what the Sabbath represents, and they have the power, and they have that book that unmasks everything he's going to do in the end of time, why wouldn't he be at war with them? They're the only ones that can upset his apple cart. Well, fine, he's at war with us. But you're God's friend. And you can't live your life about people who don't like you. You've got to live your life because God, he loves you. And he's offering you eternal life. There's no way we should ever walk away with from that. Because if you walk away from God's love, you don't have peace anymore. And you don't have power. And ultimately, you don't really have a purpose. But when you're this remnant, you have power, you have a message, you have a purpose, right? And you have a promise. You're going to live forever. And friends, we're so close don't allow anything to happen in your life that would cause you to doubt God's love for you or to doubt this message. It all goes together. Amen. We've got to believe that God raised us up for this purpose because right now, as we heard in that song, most people are in Babylon and they need to be called out. But they're not going to come out just because we tell them the truth. We've got to live it. We've got to be a demonstration of the very power that the Sabbath represents. And here's that message. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel, to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to how many? People. Which is why we should support that school in Russia. Right? And we support these schools and missions all around the world. Right? Rolling it together. Saying with a loud voice so the whole world can hear. Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come. And worship Him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of water. It doesn't just say believe in the Creator. We're to tell the world to worship Him. Ah, We can't just tell people about the Sabbath. we got to tell people about how to worship the Creator. How do you worship the Creator? Through the Sabbath, which is an outward expression of a inward, that those two should be the same, right? Keeping the Sabbath should be simply an outward expression that we come here every Sabbath to express what God's done inside by His power. Is this true? Which is why we should have more testimonial times. Is this true? Absolutely. Testimonies to God's power. I want us to think about worship. Jesus said to the Samaritan woman, the true worshiper, so there are true worshipers and there must be, there would have to be false worshipers, shall worship the Father in and in truth. John said to the Pharisees, this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips. Gregory told us that, right? But their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Part of false worship is false doctrine, right? 
not teaching the truth. But true worship has to do with spirit and... You can't just have the truth. You've got to be... You've got to be born again. You've got to be in the spirit. It's the combination of the two. Right? Oh, worship the Lord in the... That's the kind of people he's waiting for. Fear before him all the earth. Notice the relation between worship and service. Get thee behind me, saying, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou... Is service to God part of the worship of God? What we're doing today is part of the worship of God. Coming here on the Sabbath, in this sanctuary, hearing the word of God, singing and so forth. But part of worship is is service. We do need to make ourselves available for service. You know? It's not simply your um, amount of talents, right? It's your availability to God. And if you make yourself available, you'll gain more talents to win more people. But all you need is one, and just use it. And this is why we were encouraged this morning. Pray, Father, bring someone into my life. Because I, I want to worship you as my creator. And I believe you're in control. You hold everything, right, in order. And I'm asking you to bring someone in my life that I could witness to your power and share your love. See, that's all part of worship. You agree? Now, here's really what worship, except a man be what? Born from above, born of the Spirit, born from heaven. He cannot see the kingdom of God. If he can't see the kingdom of God, you you really can't talk about it with people. But if you have spiritual eyesight and can see the kingdom of God, which is not of this world, but it's in you, right? It's because the Spirit has revealed that to you. So true worship comes from above, from heaven itself. It's not something you and I can manufacture. It's something we have to ask for, and God will speak it. And we'll have it if we believe it. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's... And that's the key, friends. How do we worship Christ if we don't know Christ? Right? Men cannot rightly worship God by outward forms. Worship comes by the same power that God created the world is the same power that enables us to be true worshipers of God. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm carnal, sold under sin. Wherefore the law is holy and the commandment holy, just and good. God's spiritual law can only be kept by If the law is spiritual, then I have to be spiritual, which is by the Spirit of God, which is really the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, a spiritual law can't be kept by a carnal person without the power. But that's what Paul was trying to do before he was converted, right? He didn't want to sin. Now, the National Sunday Law. Notice what this is saying here. This is why God's going to allow things to culminate in this kind of scenario. 
The second beast, for he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand and on their forehead, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of the name. Now, the Sunday law that's coming is the mark of the beast. It is the mark of the first beast, the papacy. Now, think about this. For men to enforce a religious law with a penalty for disobedience is to say that you could keep it if you just what? You see a problem with that? You see, the whole idea of passing a religious law and enforcing it, and if you don't do it, you are going to be penalized, is saying to people, you could do it if you just try harder. But what's the problem with that? We can't do it. We're just what? We're just dust. The only way to keep God's commandments is through God's power. So just their attempt to say, if you don't do it, I'm going to penalize you, is to suggest that I could do it on my own. But that's a fallacy. I can't keep the commandments on my own. Then it gets worse. If you do not try harder to keep the National Sunday Law, then we'll compel you to do it. How can men who are but dust empower you to keep a religious law? So who are they attempting to be? If you don't obey, ha, means you could do it if you just try a little harder, but if you don't try hard enough, I'll make you do it. Well, now who are they trying to be? trying to be God. A problem with that? You see, in the end of time, God's going to allow two powers to be demonstrated. A false power. A power that's completely coming from created beings who are but dust. And it will demonstrate to the whole world that it doesn't work. Because the people who are going to enforce this and say all you have to do is try harder and if you don't try hard enough, I'll compel you will show that men have no power. And any power they exercise without God is a power that does what? It destroys. But God is the life giver. Jesus didn't come here to condemn. He came to give us life. God uses his power For life, not death. And so this whole thing, the National Sunday, is completely wrong all across the board. It's not just a different, the wrong day. It's the wrong spirit. It's a wrong concept of even the gospel. It's like it's not in agreement with any principle of the Bible. And God will allow men to demonstrate that kind of religion because that's what Satan wanted when he rebelled in heaven. He wanted to be his own God with his own law. And the National Sunday Law will just be a carbon copy of that original rebellion. But this is why God will need a people who demonstrate the other power. Here's the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Faith is giving over the guardianship and control of our life to 
Okay? We believe that Christ is able to keep that which we have committed unto him against that day. Our thoughts, our hopes are on the second coming of Jesus, who has washed us with his own blood and has clothed us with his own righteousness. God is going to allow this world to get down to the the expression of two different powers. We're told in Revelation 13 that the dragon empowers the beast. In Revelation 11, that God empowers his two witnesses representing the Old and New Testament. Those are two different powers. And in the end, people are choosing between these two powers. Which one do you believe in? Do you believe in the power of God's word? That when God speaks, it happens. And God always uses his power for good. But we'll see as it's translated in the end of time, as events occur, that when men exercise their power, it leads to persecution. And that's how this world's going to end. It's not going to be by some military battle. Not that kind of power. But what kind of power do people live by? God's power? Or they believe in their own power? And it will become very, very clear. One group will be persecuted and yet love their persecutor. The other power represents that men will only get worse and hateful. And so every day, we've got to to be very careful with this. Every day, we've got to make sure that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Every day we need to wake up and remember that we're but dust, but created in God's image. He's the one that gives the breath. He's the one that gives the power. And when he speaks, it's done. To what he's saying, and believe in what he's saying, and I won't fail. But if I listen to the Pope and all the leaders and these various parties and the news networks, I'm going to fail. Because none of them are going to get anybody ready for the soon coming of Christ, the imminent return of Christ. The time's not, we don't have much time, friends. I really think we need to pray about getting a pallet of great controversies. And just start handing them out. We put a card in there, let people know who it came from, because we're not ashamed. We are not ashamed, because we know that if God empowers us to live this life, we want to hand a great controversy, which there's power in that word, and a changed life. And then we'll see 2021, it'll be a different year than we've ever had. God will be with us. World may be against us, but that's okay. As long as God's with us, that's all that matters, friends. Before we have our closing prayer, we have a closing hymn. Our closing hymn today is going to be number 623, I Will Follow Thee. Number 623, and if we could all stand.
Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for that supreme gift in Jesus Christ, the greatest gift you could have ever given to the human family. And so, Father, help us to follow Jesus, to see people, to treat people just like he did through your power. Help us, Father, to begin each day receiving a fresh supply of grace that we may please thee in all things for you're worthy to have that people. We know that you saw, showed John that people in the end. And, Father, help each one of us to be amongst them. So, Father, we thank you for your ever-presence and thank you for always speaking to us through your word and through the Holy Spirit. Help us, Father, to find the time to listen intently each day and to never lose your presence. So, Father, thank you for your watch care. And all this we pray in Christ's name. Amen.